so I tried to touch I've told the truth I didn't come to fool you And even Before we get started, um, I just want to send a very, very, very special thank you to all of the listeners out there that have been hanging out with me for the past couple of months. Some of you have been watching for, technically listening for the last year, and I know I haven't been as consistent as I've wanted to uh, in the last couple of months, just some issues going on and stuff like that. Um, but we're going to like we're gonna get back to it. We're going to get started Kind of not started, but we're going to kind of go back into form. I kind of missed podcasting this weekend, but I knew that it was gonna like I knew that like especially because of the news that we're gonna talk about today. But I knew that like taking a break and doing all this stuff like this. It, it's trust me when I say three weeks. We're gonna be back. We're gonna be back. We're gonna be bigger and better than we've ever been. We're going to reaffirm that 24's podcast is the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. I'm not going to just do it for myself. I'm not going to do it for, you know, the accolades, the awards. going to do it because that's just what I do. It's like a dog finding a bone. It's just, it's just what a dog does. Being the best video gaming and sports podcast is just what I do. 24's podcast. So... I'm, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to get back to form. But it's three weeks and I'm kind of an impatient guy and I, I just like, I just want to be patient. Not patient, but I just want football to get here. I want all, all the podcasts to get here. I, I'm very excited. All right, let's go back. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to my podcast, 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Got a great show for you today. Earl Thomas, win projections for two teams. I don't remember which teams, but there are two teams that I'm going to be talking about today. Potentially, who could get Earl? Who should get Earl? And most importantly, kind of what happened over the weekend with some recap NBA and some other stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, all that and much, much more right here on 24th Podcast. That was uh, that was a song that I would normally never play. I try to get the uh, you know the crowd going, the uh, the energy circulating and percolating. That's one of those songs that it's just like twenty four. Why'd you why'd you play that song? That was kind of a downer. I know, but I'll talk about a couple of things first before we get into football and all that good stuff. I I don't I don't know if you noticed this in the weekend. I got a crap ton of advertisements for it. This event called DC Fandom. It was all over the internet. It was all over cable television. I got, once again, a lot of ads for it. 
And DC Fandom was an event where they showed off upcoming video games, comic books, movies. One of those movies being the new Justice League. Technically, it was the old Justice League um, Snyder Cut, which everybody was like, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. For me, personally speaking, um, Justice League was like one of the worst movies I've, one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. And um, I, I really, I, I, I was going to watch it one more time, like, in the last couple of years, but I just, I never really got around to it, and I didn't really care enough to go see Justice League. I think it was released in, like, 2017. Yeah, it was 2017, and I was just like, I don't want to see this movie again. Like, I've seen it enough. So a lot of people were petitioning for the Zack Snyder cut, which there were two different directors for the movie. Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder. Uh, with Zack Snyder, they were like, well, we have to change the entire tone of the movie because that's not what people like because everybody hated Batman v Superman. I hated that movie. I don't know what he was thinking with that movie. But um, then he came back and then he made Justice League and... He had to leave during, like, development of the movie, which is never a good sign. And um, Joss Whedon, the director for the Avengers movie, he came in and he directed that movie. And that was the uh, the movie that, they, uh, that we got. Everybody hated that movie. Everybody hated Justice League. So Zack Snyder announced, I think a couple of months ago in May or June, maybe April, he announced that the Zack Snyder cut was coming next year. And they had a trailer for it this weekend. It was awesome. Then they also showcased off the uh, the new Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I'm excited for that movie. That movie looks so cool. It's called The Batman, too. The costume man is super cool. It's so cool. He looks... And, and then on top of that, I'm like... When I saw him in the suit and the tie and I saw him just, like, running around and stuff like that, I was like, he looks like Batman. Like, it looks like the um, the Ben Affleck, Affleck, excuse me, Batman. I was like, oh, you, that, yeah, that's Batman. They did a good job with him. Long and the short of it is, I was, I was coming off of the excitement of that weekend, which is why, or, or of last weekend, excuse me, which is why I played that song. Sad song, but it's a beautiful song. I love it. Anyways, let's get to Earl Thomas. Big, 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 big news. I was following it Saturday and Sunday. You know, a player getting sent home because of a fight, that happens every once in a while. Like, some people are like, I've never seen a player get sent home from a fight. It's like, it happens a lot more than you think. Yes, even some star players. Yes, they get sent home from fights. Depends on how bad it is. And apparently, it was really bad with Earl Thomas. So I was following, so, you know, I, I got off the podcast, I don't know when, Friday, I got off and I was like, cool, let me, um, let me, you know, let me, like, let me kind of follow the news and what's going on and things of that nature. So Saturday and Sunday, it gets reported and gets circulated a lot more, Old Thomas put, could potentially be traded or released. And then I think late Saturday night, it was revealed that Earl that that the Seahawks, not the Seahawks, the Ravens were planning on either trading him or releasing him. 
And I was like, they're not going to trade him. No team's going to want $10 million. It's like, nope. Every team knows that you're going to release him. So release him. And that's exactly what they did Sunday. Um, I think it was morning or afternoon. It was almost midday when I got the news. So they said, hey, we're releasing him. Anyone who wants him can come and get him. Now, it is Monday, and nobody has gotten him yet. And I saw the Mike McCarthy interview, and a lot of people, they kind of, uh, they kind of misrepresented Mike McCarthy. I think he was talking about how when it comes to, like, personnel, like, people that, they, that they're going to go after, that's up to Stephen Jones and, um, and Jerry Jones and Will McClay. Like, Mike McCarthy's like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a head coach. But the notion, the narrative is Dallas is in the market for specifically Earl. They have wanted Earl for probably over three years. They tried to trade for Earl. Earl, excuse me. They were unsuccessful. They tried to um, to trade for Jamal Adams. They were unsuccessful. Now, the difference between Earl Thomas and Jamal Adams is Earl Thomas plays the position that I want him to play, which is free safety. And Jamal Adams plays the position that I don't want, which is strong safety. Like, that's that's how it is. Like, if you would rather have a a free safety or a strong safety, you would rather have a, a free safety, not a strong safety. As much as people were like, Jamal Adams is great. It's like, Earl Thomas is better. He's better. Or more specifically, he's more important than Jamal. That's the reality of the situation. So before I once again get to Dallas, let me get to a team that actually needs to get Earl Thomas. This team 1,000% needs to get Earl Thomas. There is no way that they cannot go into the season without getting Earl Thomas. And the worst thing that could possibly happen is if Dallas gets Earl Thomas for this one team. That team that needs to get Earl Thomas is the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, man, everybody is talking about how Earl Thomas has a has character issues. And that's why, you know, and that's why you couldn't you shouldn't get him. Well, guess what? Dallas just got Alden Smith this offseason and Everson Griffin. Both of them, they don't have character issues, but they have issues or had issues. And Dallas is like, we'll sign him. Same thing goes with Randy Gregory in the sense of he constantly smokes a shit ton of weed. So much weed to the point where he just like freaking, like he just has to freaking smoke it during the, the, during the regular season. They're like, we don't care. He plays football at a very, very high level. We'll take him. So Dallas, I'm assuming within the next couple of days, somebody's going to get Earl Thomas. Maybe it's the 49ers. Maybe it's the Cowboys. The reality is, it needs to be the Philadelphia Eagles. And remember, I'm a, I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm a Cowboy fan. And I've talked about for the last six months, six, five months, really, from March until now, talked about how essentially the Philadelphia Eagles have not made enough free agent acquisitions, good acquisitions in the draft. They haven't done anything to elevate themselves past the Cowboys, while the Cowboys have gone out, gotten 
easily the best coach available in free agency, Mike McCarthy, one of the best head coaches in the league. They got a lot of veteran players, Don Terry Poe, Jared McCoy before they cut him, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix, bunch of guys. And then they went into the draft, and then they got CeeDee Lamb, and then Trevon Diggs, and then uh, Neville Gallimore, Reggie Robinson the second, who seems to be a special teams player or free safety. Then they also got uh, Bradley and I and Tyler Biedas. They got a lot of players in the draft and free agency. And then we know what happened a couple of weeks ago where they picked up Everson Griffin. Long and the short of it is, Dallas has done what they have needed to do to surpass the Philadelphia Eagles. In fact, they pretty much did it last year, but the thing that was holding them back was the head coach. Philadelphia needs Earl Thomas. Why why do they need Earl Thomas? Let's get to the why in it. It's one thing to say they need him. It's another example. It's another thing to to explain why. Well, for reasons that I kind of just stated, they didn't go out and make a play when it came to uh, free agents. I mean, they didn't get any free agent corner, which, to be honest with you, there really wasn't a lot of good ones. So I get that. They didn't really go out and get a good linebacker. Our linebackers are kind of below average, if you want my honest opinion about it. They lost Malcolm Jenkins, who's been playing pretty good in the last couple of seasons of his, you know, of his NFL career. Lost him. Their secondary is a mess. How much money do they have in cap space? Because Byron Jones was available, and if I was the Philadelphia Eagles, I would try to, I would try to freaking sign Byron Jones. Let me look up the Eagles cap. Let me let me check it out here. How much money do you have in cap space? You have $24 million. Oh, sign. how much money does Byron Jones cost? They have $24 million in available cap space. Holy shit. They overpaid for Darius Slade Jr. Darius Slade Jr. Whole, Darius Slade Jr. on average per year is the highest paid corner in the league. He's getting paid more than Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Patrick Peterson, Marcus Peters, and Stephon Gilmore. I would put all those guys ahead, and, and, and Casey Hayward. I'd put all those guys ahead of Darius Slade Jr. And I love Darius Slade Jr., but Jesus Christ, like, he's making 16, $16 million annually. $16,683 million annually. Did I say 1600? I meant 16,683,333 annually. Which is technically only 100,000 more than Byron Jones. Huh? Wow, the Eagles have had a really bad offseason. Let me let me take a look at the extent of Darius Jr.'s contract. So he got traded his cap number this year is going to be 4 million, then it's going to rise to 15 million, 9 million, and then 20 million. Okay, let me check out Byron Jones's contract. Let me check out the Okay, so Byron Jones is on the money for the next 5 4 years. 
including this well technically it's five years including this year so it's 2020 2021 2022 2023 and then 2024 is when the contract expires but his numbers are a lot more stable in the sense of his cap number this year is 17 million then it goes down from there 16 million 16 million 16 million 16 million Darius Slay is not I lo- again I love Darius they only have him signed for four years. What? I mean, I, like, to make the cap more reasonable, I guess, that's why they signed him for four years and they gave him the $4 million up front. But, like, man, Darius Slay in, like, They really screwed up the the free agency period, man. They really, really did. They really did. They could have had Byron Jones. Said, hey, Byron, you want to play for us? You can come to us. Have Carson Wentz. Fletcher Cox. We got them all here. Man, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. And check this out. Deshaun Jackson is getting paid $8 million. What's his cap hit? How, how long does he have to play? He's signed until 2023, so he's going to be 37 when his contract is up, which he probably won't get another one. Man, that does not make any sense. Anyways, let me go back to what I was talking about. The Eagles and... I mean, now they can... Now, now they, like... I am speechless. Let me pause on Earl. I'm speechless on how badly they have managed this offseason. Like, could have gotten Earl, could have gotten Everson, could have gotten... Uh, who else could you... Could have gotten... Um, another big-ticket player. I don't know. Byron. I already said him. Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. I'll get into that in a little bit. But you have the cap space to sign a bunch of players. To sign one or two good players. Great players. You could have had Byron. Could have had Earl. Could have had Everson. Could have had DeAndre. Could have had Stephon. Let me tell you something. Uh, This isn't good for the Eagles. Now, the Eagles, they 1,000% need Earl Thomas. They need him because the Eagles are 1,000% the inferior team comparatively to Dallas. And as much as people want to be like, Dallas isn't going to win, Dallas sucks, the Eagles are the best, the Eagles are going to win, blah, 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 blah. The reality is the Eagles, when you look at projections, these are people that look at stats, statistics, statistics, and tape projectors people who will project games and wins, they look at Dallas, they look at the Eagles, and they're like, Dallas is going to win the NFC East easily. The analysts, and analyst is kind of like a buzzword. Being an analyst is essentially like being an entrepreneur and like an Instagram entrepreneur. Like you put it in your bio. You're like, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. And it's like, it doesn't mean anything. That's the exact same thing with being an analyst in sports. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. Anyone can be an analyst. I can be an analyst. An analyst. 
It's lost its meaning. The analysts, they're projecting and predicting it's going to be the Eagles, right? They're going to win. Eagles are going to win. Eagles are the best team in the NFC East, right? When in reality, the Eagles are in a really, really bad spot. They don't have the players. They don't have the personnel. They don't have the coaches. And the same reason why people validated Carson Wentz are going to be the same reason why they give him a pass for pretty much missing the playoffs or being the seventh seed in the NFC. Last season, it was the greatness of Carson Wentz showed off last season with his ability to win with no football players on his team, no wide receivers on his team. This year, it's going to be Carson Wentz shouldn't be blamed for the losses of Philadelphia because there was nobody on his team. It's like, well, which is it? Can he win without good guys or can he win with good guys? Or does, or does he rely on good guys to win? Which is it? Good players, excuse me. That question is going to have to be answered. And I talked about it all season. I was like, listen, man, the Eagles have had multiple chances, multiple times to get good players. And I have no problem talking about it because I know that they're probably not going to do it for some unknown reason. I said, hey, man, they should have gone after Stefan Diggs. They should have gone after DeAndre Hopkins. They should still, by the way, go after Antonio Brown. And I even kind of laid it out there, like how essentially the, um, the Eagles could have had pretty much the best wide receiving core in the league. They could have traded for Stephon Diggs or, better yet, DeAndre Hopkins. But the example that I used in March was Stephon Diggs signed Antonio Brown and then had Deshaun Jackson as your third guy, as your slot guy. However you would want to use him. Those were the examples that I gave. They didn't follow suit on any of them. And again, Antonio Brown, he's going to be suspended for eight games. I would pick him up. I would just say, hey, um, we're going to bite the bullet with Antonio Brown. He's going to be here for like the next two to three years. Like that's what we're going to do. He's still out there. He's still not signed. If the Eagles have any hope of doing anything, they need good players. They missed out on C.D. Lamb. Should have probably traded up for him. They missed out on, you know, uh, on a running back or a cornerback or a wide receiver, and they drafted Jalen Hurts. They missed out on Everson Griffin. You can't lose on Earl Thomas. You can't. You cannot. You need somebody to anchor that defense. Because let me let me tell you what's going to happen next season. Let me tell you. All right. Again, I love Earl Thomas. But um, what's going to happen next season is Earl Thomas is going to line up against Darius Lay Jr., um, who has constantly played up against the Green Bay Packers and gotten smoked against the Green Bay Packers. Again, love, love Earl. Not Earl, uh, Darius but he's gotten smoked a lot by the Green Bay Packers, especially by Mike McCarthy. Let me check out that final year. Did they lose to Detroit that final year with Mike McCarthy? Let me check out the Green Bay Packers record. Mm-hmm. That final year with Mike McCarthy. Oh, no, they lost. They lost, uh, what was the, 
And I think he was fired like a couple of weeks later. And then they lost. Yeah, they lost twice. But oh my god, it was zero to thirty-one that second time. Luckily, Mike McCarthy wasn't there. But let me check out that 2017 year. Oh yeah, they lost again. Oh yeah, that was the year when Aaron Rodgers went down. Okay. So for the last couple of years, they've actually beaten the Packers. I think they've swept them actually. Let me check. Yes, they have. I think it wasn't until um what's his face? Um what's his face? What's his face? Matt LaFleur came in. That's a win. Yep. Yeah, they swept they swept them for the first time in 2 years. They they won a game for the first time in two years uh, without Mike McCarthy. But those last two years, which were disastrous for him, he lost. So my bad. I thought that he had still found a way to beat the Detroit Lions even when he was down on his luck. Uh, He did not. He still lost to them. But let me look up his his final, not his final two years, but his one of his final years. The 2016 season where they went to the championship game. I'm pretty sure. So that's a win. 34-27. Let me look up the 34-27 box score. Let me see how many passing yards they had. They had 205, four touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers was 15 of 24 for 205. Well, hold on. That's not... Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Oh, no. He was 15 for 24, 129.3 passer rating. Eddie Lacy had 103 yards. Jordy Nelson had 101 yards and two receptions. Devontae Adams. This is before Devontae Adams became Devontae Adams. He had two receptions, 23 yards. Jordy Nelson, again, 101. And uh, he was seven for six. Or six for seven, excuse me. So, yeah, the, uh, the Green Bay Packers, they smoked them that game. While the Detroit Lions, they scored 10 points within the fourth quarter. So, yeah, even though they it looks, for example, like really, really close, 34 to 27, it really wasn't. Just in case if you were wondering. So, yeah, and when, when the Green Bay Packers were good, they were destroying the Detroit Lions and Darius Slade Jr. And everybody wants to talk about Darius Slade Jr. And everybody's going to talk and everybody's going to say, well, he's great. And he is. I like Darius a lot. But number one corner in the league, no, not really. Nicole Roby Colbinson, no. I don't even know who your second corner is. I'm looking at their, uh, I think it's Jalen Mills. He's going to get smoked by Gallup. Whew, man. Eagles are in trouble this season. Which is why they need Earl Thomas. I know I haven't done that great of a job because I've been bouncing around a lot. But I feel like if the Eagles, they don't get Earl Thomas, it's going to be pretty much impossible unless something, knock on wood, something bad happens to Dallas. And then I look at Dallas, for example. Easily one of the best, easily the best offseason in the league. It's not debatable. I don't know what I don't know who else is going to say like 
you know what, Dallas, they, you know, they, they didn't have the best offseason in the league. It's like they got Everson Griffin, they got CeeDee Lamb, they got Bradley and Nye, they got Trevon Diggs, they got Neville Gallimore, they got, they got, they got, they got, they got, they got, they got players that are going to be impact players week one, day one. And then you add to probably the most, like just the, the worst position on your team, your secondary, the most part of your team, the most, like, the worst part of your team, excuse me, your secondary, you add a significant playmaker to that, and then you take him away from a divisional rival, and then you, you think to yourself, it's like, well, hold on a minute, wait a second, now we just, we just maxed out. We just got all the players that we wanted. Dallas has been wanting a free safety for the past couple of years. But more importantly, they have wanted Oral Thomas for the past couple of years as well. And when you add a dude like Earl Thomas to, an, to a defense that's already trying to get more turnovers, a defense that already has two great pass rushers on the team, where, where the defensive line is incredibly deep, where we can essentially lose a start and be like, and eh, we got two more guys, we're fine. We can then get CeeDee Lamb, we can have Amari and Gallup and Dak and Zeke and the offensive line, we can have all these guys on our team and we can be like, we can still do better. That's where, where Earl Thomas comes into play. Now, a lot of people are saying, I don't really, I don't really want Earl Thomas. And it's midday where I am right now. It's like in the afternoon. It's like 12 o'clock almost. It's 11 right now. But it's, it's, it's almost 12. And Earl has still not been signed, which is weird to me. Because it's a layup to me. Dallas, get Earl Thomas. Hold on. I let me let me get juiced. Hold on. Hold on. I feel like I'm not emphasizing this point enough. Let me let me get juiced. I'm watching an ad for a college that I am not going to go to. Get juice! Yeah. Get juice! Aye. Yeah. Get juice! Yeah. Hold on, hold on. The Dallas Cowboys need we one Earl Thomas from Orange County. Not Orange County. Orange, Texas. They need him. They can go after him. They can get him. He's available. Go ahead and get him. Okay. I'm juice. <clears throat> Again, you're just stacking the deck. You're essentially, and I remember I was doing this yesterday. I remember I was like planning on talking about stuff on the podcast. Sometimes it's like, sometimes I plan out like exactly what I'm going to say. Other times I speak extemporaneously. And yesterday I had this great like little history lesson for you to listen to, right? I finished off watching All or Nothing the um, with the Los... Hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. With the Los Angeles Rams in 2016. Finished watching that whole, like, shenanigans with Jeff Fisher and the Rams. And apparently they they were, like, 
you know what? We have to move to LA by like essentially August. What we're going to do is we're going to stop like in three different areas because the field that we're supposed to be practicing on and the facility that we're supposed to be practicing in, they aren't built yet. We're just going to do that in January. We're not going to do that anytime because Stan Kroenke, the owner, he's like, you know what? We got to leave in the dark of the night because I promised a bunch of jobs to the city of St. Louis and I'm going to get sued a couple of years later and actually lose in court because I promised the city of St. Louis a bunch of jobs that I never actually gave them because I moved the team out of St. Louis to Los Angeles. So what happened was is that he had to move the team from St. Louis to Los Angeles because he lied to the people of St. Louis. I cannot say that enough. And they moved to, I think, Oxnard, California. Now, let me move my fan here. It's an oscillating fan, meaning that it can swivel. I'm waiting for it to come into my view so that way I can get some fucking air because it's hot as balls in my room. So, <clears throat> Stan Kroenke moves the team, and he's like, well, we got to be an Oxnard, right? The issue with being an Oxnard is that that's where the Dallas Cowboys have their training camp. So, they go to Oxnard, and they have, like, their team activities and stuff like that for, like, six months, pretty much until, uh, what, what was it? Until July. So, once they go from Oxnard, they go to, Th not Thousand Oaks, um, Irving, California, and then from Irving, they go to Thousand Oaks. I hope I said the places right, because I've never been to California. I don't know where those places are in California, right? So, he does all that mess. He takes his team, Stan Kroenke, Jeff Fisher. They take their team from St. Louis to California. They do all that mess. And then the season is a disaster. Jeff Fisher was uh, not very good. It was terrible. They kept on preaching about, you know, we're, we're the best team in the, in the blah, blah, blah. We're, we're going to win. We're going to win. It's funny how it's like when you reflect on the Jeff Fisher season and the Jason Garrett season of all or nothing, they're very, very similar. They're, they, they feel way, they, they're overconfident. They're way too confident for a team that, like, like you would think, oh my God, like the, the, the Rams, how often like Jeff Fisher and Greg Williams were like, we're the best team, we're the best team, we're the best team. It's like for how often they would say that, you would think that they would not be a four and 12 team. Same thing goes with the Dallas Cowboys. It's like, considering how often they were like, we're, we're the best team, we're the best team, we're the best team, blah, 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 right? You'd think that they would be a better football team. They aren't. Or they weren't. So what happens after that season, after the 2016 season, Jeff Fisher's final season with the Los Angeles Rams, they go out and they get Sean McVay. That next year, they're in the playoffs. The year after that, they're in the Super Bowl, and they load up. They load up on talent. They get Indomitian Sue. They get Marcus Peters. They get Akeem Talib. They get Brandon Cooks. They were loaded up. And what happens is, is that they went to the Super Bowl and almost won it if, damn it, Jared Goff had made one play. One goddamn play. But what happened was, Jared Goff made zero plays and they went down 13-3. Russell Wilson probably would have been like, damn it, if Tom Brady went 13, if, if Tom Brady scored 13 points against me, I would have won that damn Super Bowl. Same thing goes with Atlanta. They were like, damn it, if, 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 if the Patriots scored 13 points, we would have won that Super Bowl as well. And of course, that next season, they rolled the dice 
Everybody expected them because they were fully loaded to win, and they did not win. They had the head coach. They had the quarterback. They had the running back. They had the all-star defensive talent. They had the secondary. How, where does this – how does it sound familiar? Oh, yeah, it's exactly what happened to the Dallas Cowboys last season. They had the quarterback, the running back, the defensive all-star. They had the corner. The only issue is, is that they didn't have the head coach. Now they do. Now they have the head coach. Now they have the wide receivers. They have they have three, three thousand yard wide receivers on their team. Everybody rolls their eyes and is like, you know, Dallas doesn't, you know, Dallas doesn't have three thousand yard wide receivers. Dallas is gonna have to run the football, right? I've heard that way too many times in the last couple of weeks where it's like, you know, Dallas, you know, I hope Mike McCarthy doesn't go away from what Dallas does very well, which is running the football. Jesus Christ. So now Dallas, they are essentially the Rams. They got the head coach. They got the quarterback. They got the running back. They got the 3,000-yard wide receivers. They got defensive players. They got Everson Griffin. They got Demarcus Lawrence. They got freaking Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. And if you add Earl Thomas to the back end of that, now your defense could potentially return to form. Because last year, it was significantly below average. Last year, it was bad. This year, it could potentially be good slash great. It could be in the top 10 once again. It could shut teams down while the offense just freaking starts up their offense like a freaking Ferrari and it starts purring. The Ferrari is purring that red, bright red Ferrari down Sunset Boulevard on Rodeo Drive. I don't know if that's an actual street in LA. I'm assuming it is. That Ferrari is purring. That offense is getting going. That defense is shutting down that offense. The opposition's offense, I guess. I don't know. I don't have a lot of analogies for that. Point is, Dallas could essentially be uh, one of the best teams in the league. In fact, I think they are. But I think there's ways that you can elevate the team. I think that you can go out and get Earl Thomas, and he elevates the team. And I said it again with Jamal Adams. I was like, I don't think that you know adding Jamal will be the move that puts us over the hump when it comes to Super Bowl aspirations, because I think we're there. I think we're a team that can win the Super Bowl this year. But it's just, do I feel more confident if we add Oral Thomas than if we don't have him? Absolutely. Absolutely. And most importantly, do I think if, uh, most not even whatever I think, you take away Oral Thomas from the rest of the league. Apparently he has interest from the 49ers and the Cowboys. But I even threw in a curveball. I threw in the Eagles today. I was like, the Eagles should probably go out and get Earl Thomas. The reality is they're probably not. But should they? 1,000%. But you take away, essentially, Earl from one of the, um, from one of the teams that you're going to have to be facing off against, and you add him to your own team, and then it's bada-bing, bada-boom. It's like, wow, like we're actually, we're actually cooking here. That's what I'm talking about. You gotta, you, you gotta take a risk if Earl Thomas is a risk. Dallas has the cap space, by the way, if you're wondering. It's like 24. Does Dallas even have the cap space to sign him? Yes, they do. They have 14 million in available cap. I think so. Pretty sure they do. I'm pretty sure they do. They have how much money? 14 million. They got enough. You can sign him for one year. 
That's all you need. Just one year. Dust it out. See what see what happens. See what happens. It's not as if you brought in Mike McCarthy to win a Super Bowl. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you, like, this is the year. Leave nothing to chance. Leave nothing to chance. The, the Cowboys, once again, are essentially the Rams. They are. It's like they're, they're probably going to be, some people are going to be like, well, you know, how do you add to one of the best offenses in the league? And it's simple. You get essentially the best wide receiver in the draft in the last couple of years and CeeDee Lamb. And it's like, oh, that's how you improve your team. Significantly, I might add. The question is, though, will they get C.D. Lamb? Not C.D. Lamb. Oh, my God. Earl Thomas. Yeah, I think so. I think they're crossing their I's, dotting their T's. I think they're making a lot of phone calls. I think Mike McCarthy even said it on an interview. I think he said, we, you know, we've been in contact with Earl. Now it's just a waiting game. Now it's just what's going to happen within the next couple of days. Don't be surprised if he comes in very, very late. Maybe not late, but semi... Like, like, don't be surprised if he comes in the first week or the week before the first week of the season. Do not be surprised at all. Hopefully, that's not the case because, it, you know, he's not... He may, he may... Like, apparently, he's had the best camp in a really, really long time, but hopefully he comes in. Hopefully they sign him before anyone else does. But Earl has constantly stated, I want to be a cowboy, I want to be a cowboy, I want to be a cowboy, I want to play here, I'm from here, I want to play here, I'm from here, I want to play here, come and get me, come and get me, come and get me. Where was that clip where he's literally in the Seattle Seahawks locker room and he's like, he he is talking to the media and he, where is it? Here it is. He's talking to the Seattle media. He's in the Dallas Cowboys away team locker room. He's a Seattle Seahawk. And he's like, I want to play. I'm playing for the Seattle Seahawks, but when Seattle like moves off of me, Dallas come and get me. Here's all Thomas talking about it. If it will play. I don't literally mean like, come get me now. You know, I'm still in the prime of my career. I still want to be here. But when Seattle kicked me to the curb, please, the Cowboys, come get me here. You know, I, that's the only place I would rather be, you know, if I get kicked to the curb. So that's what I meant by, um, and, you know, people take, take. So that's it. I know it's, I know it's very, very quiet. But pretty much what he said was when Seattle kicks me to the curb, and they did, Dallas, please come and get me. They kicked him to the curb. Dallas was like, we can't pay you that amount of money, Earl. He's like, I'm out. I'm going to Baltimore. And now, guess what? He's coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Hold on. Hold on. You know what I'm about to do. You know what I'm about to do. Hold on. Hold on. Is this it? Is this it? No, that's an ad. Here it is.
on. God damn it. What, where is it? Where is it where she just starts singing? I'm coming home. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I'm coming home. Bring all Thomas home. Tell them he's coming to Dallas. Bring him to Dallas. Come, come, come. Come home, Earl. Come home. He belongs here. He belongs here in Dallas. He's coming home. Bring the boy from Big D home. All right, I'm done. <clears throat> is that all I have on Oral Thomas? That felt really, really bad, what I was talking about for, like, the last 44 minutes. Like, that felt jumpy. That felt a little bit jittery. But I don't know. I'm out of my mind right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Oral Thomas. And I know a lot of people are like, but Oral got released by Baltimore and things of that nature. And it's like, listen, man, this happens all the time, Right? Or it's like, if you're going to be timid, you can't play in this league. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you got to make big moves. This could be the biggest, like it's the Everson Griffin move. You're just stacking the deck against the opposition. And I saw it once again with the Rams. The Rams were like, we are going to give our, we, we're going to give ourselves the best chance. We're maxing out. We're maxing out. We're maxing out. We're maxing out. We are not playing timid. Less need. Sean McVay, we're getting everybody we're getting jared goff everybody we're getting him three wide receivers that can all be 1000 yards i kid you not this is literally the 2018 rams we're getting him three th three three thousand yard wide receivers we're getting him brandon cooks robert woods we're getting him cooper cup we're then gonna get him a tight end and tyler evett everett we're gonna still have todd Gurley. we're gonna bolster the offensive line we're gonna have andrew whitworth we're then gonna go out and get in dominican sue we're gonna have marcus peters we're gonna have a keep the leave we're gonna have uh, taylor rapp on the back end and we're gonna have clay matthews on the football team and we're just gonna go i think clay matthews came that next year but you know what i mean Pause on that, by the way. He arrived in Los Angeles that next year. Because the Green Bay Packers are like, we don't want him anymore. Dallas is like, we're going to go out. We're going to freaking sign all of our offensive linemen. Tyron Smith, he's signed for 10 years because he has one of the worst free agents, or not free agents, but agents in the entire NFL. We're going to sign Zach Martin. We're going to have Leal Collins. We're going to have Ezekiel Elliott. We're going to have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. We're going to get Blake Jarwin. We're going to sign him to a three-year deal. We don't sign four-year deals, but apparently we sign three, four, and we're going to sign three and five-year and six-year deals. Apparently, we don't do five-year, four-year deals, but we do every other deal in the entire NFL. I don't get it. But then they went out. They said, we're going to freaking make sure Leighton is okay. We're going to sign Jalen Smith. We're going to have Demarcus Lawrence. We're going to have Tyron, not Tyron, uh, Tyrone Crawford back off of injury. We're going to have Everson Griffin. We're going to have Don Terry Poe. We're going to pick him up after free agency. We're going to have Neville Gallimore. Tristan Hills should be better. I don't know yet. We're going to get Trevon Diggs in the draft. CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb. He's going to be back because he just got back from the draft. He's going to be here. He's going to wear the new 88. We're going to have a lot of players on offense. We're going to have even more players on defense. The only position that we need on the football team is a safety. That's the only position in question. And apparently, ha-ha, Clinton Dix isn't doing very well. 
They favor De'Aaron Thompson more. So do you know what, do you want to know what you should do? Do you know what you do? Bring him home! Tell him he's coming! Tell Baltimore! Hey Baltimore! Hey Baltimore! Hey Baltimore! You made a mistake in cutting him! Tell Seattle! The boy's coming home! He's coming back to Texas! Tell the 49ers, his old divisional rival, you can't have him! We're gonna get him! He's coming home! He's coming home! Philadelphia, you can suck it! He's coming home! Earl Thomas is coming to Dallas. I spoke it into existence with Jason Garrett. I said Jason Garrett's gonna get fired and we're gonna hire Lincoln Riley. That did not happen. We fired Jason Garrett. We did not hire Lincoln Riley. We hired Mike McCarthy. I'm fine with it. Turn it up. Coming home. He is coming home, ladies and gentlemen. Or at least I, I hope he is. I hope I hope he is. I don't I don't know. That's such a good song. Oh man, that's such a good song. Anything else on Earl Thomas? I don't think so. Oh, sorry, that was my elbow. I hit my desk really, really hard. It sounded a lot worse than it actually was. I have a pretty strong elbow. I'm a strong guy. I drink a lot of almond milk. It's like my bone that hit it. Again, sounds a lot worse than it actually is. Let me talk about this. Yangelo Hall, I'm watching the NFL Network yesterday. I'm watching it right now Checking for live updates just to make sure all Thomas doesn't get signed and I can't talk about it on the podcast. A team, by the way, I would I would expect he gets signed this week. I mean, honestly. One of these teams needs to grow up, sign sign him. Hold on. Hold on. Where's he going? Skyler. Where's he going? He's coming home. He's coming home. Earl is coming home. But just in case if he does on a team, should 1,000% sign him. Just, just how it works. Now, I was watching the NFL Network yesterday, and once again, a lot of people, and, I, and I've, I've talked about this, and I apologize if I've talked about this a lot. It just is one, like one of the most eye-rolling things whenever people talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They always talk about how, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are going to run football. They're going to run the football. They're not going to pass it. They don't have the ability to have 3,000-yard wide receivers because they're not going to run the football. Not because they're not going to run it, excuse me. They're not going to throw the football. They're going to run it. That's why they're not going to have 3,000-yard wide receivers. And to those people, I say to them, um, grow up. Grow up. Honestly, grow up. Why are they not going to run the football? Or not run it, um, excuse me, throw it. Why are they so content on losing football games? And I've constantly repeated this 
over and over and over and over and over again on the podcast. I apologize once again if you've constantly heard me talk about the run game in Dallas and how they not only shouldn't do it, but aren't going to do it. But I'm going to rehash and I'm going to talk about it again because everybody fucking talks about it. They should not, I repeat, they should not throw the damn foot, not throw it, god damn it, run the football. They shouldn't. It hasn't worked in four years. Has it, have they won the Super Bowl? No, and I've constantly compared it to them playing like they're in the 90s in the 2020s. And I constantly talked about how, you know, I have, a, I have an experience, I have a background in esports. And by experience and a background, I mean a very, very small experience and a very, very small background in esports. But enough to understand, there's something that is called a most effective tactic available or a meta. There's a meta in competitive gaming. And the meta is dictated by rules and patches and changes to the game. And because, you know, it's a video game and the internet and literally thousands of games can be played within an hour like the rules that like they 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 constantly get changed on a week-to-week basis almost except really at this time of year when worlds is about to happen and uh, the state of the game is essentially going to be very very static for the next couple of months but pretty much in november it's going to pick back up again and it's going to essentially continue for almost a year where they're going to constantly have week-to-week changes And if you're not updated, if you're not on the meta, if you're not using the current meta, the current most effective tactic available, you will lose a lot of games at the pro scene, at high levels, at high MMRs, matchmaking rankings. You're going to lose a lot of football games. Not a lot of football games. A lot of games, competitive, uh, oh my God, you're you're just going to lose a lot of games, right, in competitive gaming, in pro gaming. There's certain weapons, characters, items that are very, very overpowered comparatively to um, to other weapons items and characters right and I attribute that same logic to the NFL the reason why the Patriots they beat up on every team in the league is because they understand the rules they understand oh okay you know the offense uh, it's not the same as it was 20 years ago when we won our first Super Bowl it's way more pass heavy it's way more, hey, you know, can you move the ball down the field with, with, um, with your quarterback and things of that nature. It's way more wide receivers, tight ends, receiving running backs. Like if you watch the Patriots, I remember I watched that Brady game from 10 years ago, almost 13 years when he returned off that injury and they had the, the, uh, the, throw, the throwback Patriot uniforms, the Reds. I remember that, right, for example. And Brady, I think he had 100 yards to Randy Moss, and he had, like, another 100, I think, to the running backs. They just caught it. Just caught it over and over and over again because they were like, yeah, you know, like, that's our job. The thing about this league is that the rules have changed. And every single person who constantly says Dallas needs to run the football doesn't get it. They don't get the rules. They don't understand why exclusively running the football is a bad thing. And it is a bad thing. And a lot of people are going to say, well, 24, 24, look at all of the teams. Look at all the teams that were in the playoffs last season, the Vikings. You always talk about how they run the football with Gary Kubiak, the, the, um, the Packers and the 49ers. 
and the Tennessee Titans. And the 49... I already said the 49ers. And the Seahawks. Look at how many of those teams actually win. Look at how many of those teams win. Because do you want to know why those teams get shut out or shut down in the playoffs? Because essentially they're playing high school football. They play with that mentality of we're going to out-physical them because we have bigger and faster and stronger players and we're just going to freaking just out-muscle them, right? Except if you're Gary Kubiak and you're the, um, the 49ers where their running games are actually pretty creative. But when you get into these situations where teams, they get to watch all of your tape, all of your tape for the last 16 weeks, Hold on, I got to plug in my computer. It's almost out of battery. I, I'm trying to connect the wire. There we go. Anyways, they have all your tape in the last 16 weeks, and you probably have some losses. It's not like you play perfectly in every single game. But people can watch your tape. They can put it on tape and be like, okay, this is the bad game of the Rams or the 49ers or the Seattle Seahawks or the Vikings, or whatever, we can just beat them because we, we have the bad tape, or we can come up with a game plan to beat them because we have the tape. Really, the Vikings, they should have lost that game if Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Rodgers, if uh, Drew, Bre Drew Brees, excuse me, had played better, they would have lost that game. But they didn't. That's okay. Really, Seattle... They won, and they win because of Russell Wilson. And also because the Eagles are kind of a bad team. Hmm, what a surprise. Really, the Packers, they lost that football game because Aaron Rodgers played, once again, terribly. But who won the Super Bowl? Hmm, won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, it was Kansas City. Team, the West Coast offense, quarterback that throws the football all over the place. It's not... It is not running the football that works consistently. And by the way, if you're just going to tell me, oh, they, you know, a, a team did good or teams good, did good who ran the football this year, and um, you're going to use that to justify it, look back a year ago. Look back two years ago. It's passing teams. And yeah, it was the Rams. Yeah, I guess you could even say the Cowboys as well because they were in the playoffs. But look at what happened in the playoffs with the Cowboys. Best running back in the league. What did they do? Oh, yeah, they got shut down by the Rams because of Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue. And then they were like, well, you know, and I looked this up last night for reference. I looked this up last night for reference. And I was like, how many rushing yards did the Dallas Cowboys have against the Rams in that game, in that playoff game? And if again, if you're a podcast listener, you know that I've kind of mentioned these numbers once again, or not once again, but already talked about it. But then, I, I made sure just to double check and stuff like that, but just wanted to look at it one more time. So how many yards do you think that the Dallas Cowboys had against the, um, the Rams in that game? They lost the game 22-30. to 30. How, many, how many yards do you think they had? 22-30. to 30. Dallas got outscored in the second quarter 17 points to zero. What do you think happened? What do you think happened? 
Because really, it was only the second quarter where Dallas just like didn't match up well with the uh, with the Rams. They pretty much almost either kept up with them in every other quarter or they outscored them. Right, seven to three in the first, eight to three in the third, four, seven to seven in the fourth. Like, what do you think happened there? What do you think happened? I have the play-by-play right here. And before we get into the play-by-play, just in case if you're, if you're wondering, Dallas ran the ball 22 times for 50 yards and two touchdowns, and they also um, threw it 32 times. 32 times. You're throwing it 10 more times than you are running it. For context sake, Zeke pretty much should have just ran the football 10 less times, and they should have thrown it 10 more times. They should have thrown it in the high 40s. Not in the high 40s, excuse me, low 40s to win that football game. Michael Gallup had over 100 yards of, uh, of receiving, 119. And uh, Amari Cooper didn't have a bad game at all. Nine, nine targets, six receptions. They were, catch, they were catching 66% of their passes. And Garrett was like, but that run game, though. Dak was having a pretty good game. 20 of 32, 266 yards, one touchdown, one sack, zero interceptions. By the way, he had another touchdown running. Jason Garrett was like, oh, we don't, we don't really want to throw the football. It's not like we're losing time of possession. Oh, wait, they were horrendously. What was the time of possession? 23 minutes for Dallas, 36 minutes for the Rams. You don't think you need to throw the football a little bit more, Jason? Let's check out the play-by-play. What happened in the second quarter? Dak short middle to, uh, to Schultz for 20 yards. Oh, my God. Dak is doing a fantastic job. Zeke left in for three yards. Dak completes a short pass to Tavon Austin. Incomplete pass to Michael Gallup. In fact, Tavon Austin lost two yards on the play. Hmm. Interesting. Zeke up the middle for five yards. Tackled by Corey Littleton. Pass incomplete by Dak Prescott. Intended for Amari Cooper. Timeout by Dallas. Another incomplete pass by Amari. To Amari. Short middle. Do-do-do-do-do. Complete short right for 12 yards. This is a pass. Complete short right for Amari for five yards. Elliott right guard. Elliott up the middle. Dak Prescott incomplete. Then he completes another one for four yards. Zeke right end. Incomplete. Dak sacked. And then they got a timeout because they have 55 seconds left. Okay, so my bad. It wasn't even that Zeke. They didn't run Zeke that much in that quarter. Never mind. I'm fine with that. Point still stands. That Dallas ran it. I I have the ratios. I have the ratios. They ran it a lot more than they threw it. No, that's not correct either. The ratios were with that they, even though they did, they didn't run it a lot more than they um than they threw it. They ran it way too much. Way too much. I'm off my game today, but that's okay. Point is, Dallas. Oh, it started in the third quarter. Okay. I'm like, here we go. I'm like, where, I'm like where's, where's when they started to get smoked? I'm like, here we go. It's when it's, it happened in the third quarter where Zeke just essentially got like negative yards 
and then he and then he like gets stuffed for like four yards here and there, or not four yards, but he loses like four yards, like. And it's weird because it's like he even is starting to gain yards. Like he gains like five yards here with seven uh, seven twelve on the seven twelve um, at the Rams forty one yard gets five yards. It's like oh okay, that's great. Long and the short of it is, is that I'm tired of people talking about Dallas and how they should run the football. I myself am tired. I don't like it. It's obnoxious. But they're probably going to continue to say it until either the season begins and they start winning football games or until the season is over with. I don't know. I don't really care. Anyways. Speaking on one of the final things we're going to talk about this uh, today. Excuse me. Let me talk about... Actually, let me kind of go over the NBA. Where is it? You know what? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I pulled it up. Right, so today's NBA... Not even today, but yesterday. It was... The Celtics who beat... Not, not even beat, they swept them. 4-0. to four, Oh my god, 4-0. to 4-0, they swept them. 110-106. Kind of feel, kind of feel bad for Joel Embiid, but um, do not feel bad for 76ers fans. Trust the process. They're, you know, they're they're always like, we're gonna win because we're tanking. We're gonna win by tanking and all that good stuff. And oh, now you're not gonna win anything at all. Wasn't wasn't this the team that was projected to go to the to the Eastern Conference Finals, and now they got swept in the first round? It's funny how that works, isn't it? Mavericks keeping it very, very close. Two to two. My boy, Luka Doncic. Not even a... I, I don't like the Dallas Mavericks that much. I'm a Spurs fan. I'm rooting for the Lakers. But man, he is giving it to the Clippers, man. He is just... Oh my goodness. 135, 133. Did you see that buzzer beater in overtime? 41 points I think he had last night. Technically two nights ago. Sweet baby Jesus. He was on fire. Gotta love it. Raptors swept the Nets. What a surprise. 150-122. Um, Utah leads the Nuggets. 129-127 was the final score. They lead them 3-1. Today, the Bucks. Let's see if they can beat the Magic again. Maybe, probably so. It seems like the Bucks finally woke up. I still stick to what I said in the sense of whoever comes out of the East will lose to whoever comes out of the West. Whether it's uh, the Bucks, whether it's the Celtics, whether it's whoever you want, they're going to lose. Toronto, whoever you want, they're going to lose. Rockets lost to the Thunder last night. Uh, they're going to be hoping to redeem themselves tonight. Pacers versus Heat, I don't care, but apparently Miami is leading the, the, uh, the Pacers. 3-0, to zero, hoping to close the series out tonight. The Los Angeles Lakers. Hold on. The Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers. Celebrating Kobe Bryant's passing. Not, oh my. His birthday. Jesus Christ, scratch that from the record. 
celebrating his birthday. They're going to be wearing his jersey or some version of his jersey. I don't know. I'm excited to see that basketball game. They're leading the series 2-1. Uh, to one. Very excited to see the Lakers versus the Trailblazers today. I think they're going to win out. I, I Didn't I say they're going to win it in like six games? I'm feeling like it's a win out type of situation. That last game, what was it? I think LeBron had like 30-something points. It was 116-108. It was a lot less close than, you, uh, than that. They beat the dog out of them. But yeah, that's kind of it for basketball. Excuse me, I'm trying to burp away, excuse me, trying to burp away from the microphone because it's not proper audio sounds. Let me, um, not audio sounds, excuse me, let me reload this page so that way I can get this tab <clears throat> off of my fucking computer. I've been holding on to this for like the last couple of weeks, not even for the last uh, couple of weeks, but like how, how long... For like almost six days, this tab has been on my fucking computer. Jesus Christ. I want it to, and I want to get it off, and I will get it off. We're going to listen to uh, to Kyle Brandt talking about how the Dallas Cowboys are some, some form of iced tea. Let's listen to what he has to say on this. Out of the box, um, yeah. I, I saw you say this on Good Morning Football. I have not heard uh, the theory behind this, uh, but I'm wondering, uh, what's the concept between the Dallas Cowboys and Long Island iced tea? What's that about, Kyle? What a fair question to start this. Thank you, um, Kyle. It's, it's August again, and so we put the Dallas Star in the show, and we say this is great, and Dak this, and they got a new receiver wearing 88, and it's very exciting, and they got a new coach this year, so it's great. But the Long Island iced tea thing is just, are the Cowboys just like a, a bunch of fancy ingredients? Like, I, I go to the bar sometimes, back when we used to go to bars, Rich, and I see the young lady or the young man, the bartender, wearing a CBGB shirt and a sweatband, and they've got about 12 bottles in between their, their knuckles pouring into one cocktail. And it just yeah. seems to be a lot of fancy ingredients and yes. sweetener and bubbles and boozes. Is the drink really that good? Because in the end of it, you're still holding your hair back and throwing up in a gutter. I just know the Cowboys have a lot of fancy ingredients, but sometimes just the drink isn't that good. It's fancy every year, but I'm not necessarily ready to order it. Right. So what is the ultimate uh, determination uh, on this subject matter, Kyle? Are, are they the Long Island iced tea? Do you believe yay or nay? I think in the hands of a steady bartender mm -hmm. who knows the right balance, then yes, it's a delicious drink. Because I guess the secret behind the Long Island, Rich, it's been a long time since I was a college freshman, but I think it just tastes delicious and goes down and you don't realize that you're hammered a few weeks into it. So yep. if Mike McCarthy has the balance, I think they're a playoff team last year. I think their biggest mistake was not firing Jason Garrett. And you know, Rich, I say that as sharing an alma mater with Jason Garrett. I should be an apologist for Jason Garrett. Yes. I think they held on too long. Oh. And if they hadn't, I think they're a playoff team. I, I, if Mike McCarthy is the guy, that's great. But... Rich, they're never great. They're always just solid. Dak Prescott is a solid quarterback. Mike McCarthy oh. is a solid tire. You know, when are they going to be spectacular? We've been waiting 25 years for this. You Rich. know, Kyle, here on the Rich Eisen Show, we consider solid a four-letter word. We do not. <laughs> solid is, solid is the, the so-called compliment you pay to All some. Right. <clears throat> so it's the, um, it's the constant narrative. When is Dallas going to win a Super Bowl, right? So let me explain to you what happened 
last season. A lot of people picked the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. A lot of people. Uh, I did. I, I didn't pick them to win the Super Bowl. I was like, I feel like they can go to the championship game um, in our conference. Look it up. I did. I picked them to go. I felt like they were one of like three or four teams that could go. I think I picked the um, the Cowboys, the Saints, and like one other team. Like I did not believe in the 49ers at all. But um, yeah, it, it was the 49ers that were also one of those silent teams that was like, oh yeah, we can go to the championship game. Who else did I pick? I don't remember. I think it was like also Houston, Kansas City, and I think Baltimore. And I added Baltimore in and the Patriots. So I wasn't very right that much on the AFC front either. But what I constantly hear from people is complaining about how, you know, they picked the Cowboys last season and then they're salty about it today. They're they're salty about it this season because they're like, you know what? We're not going to pick the Cowboys because we should have picked them last season. Or not uh, last, we sh- not we should have picked them, but we picked them last season and we shouldn't have because they didn't go to the playoffs and we thought they were going to the Super Bowl. And Dallas is never spectacular. They're only good or solid. It's like, what does that even mean? It's like, what are you talking about? Dallas, Dallas in 2018 was great. Um, Jason Garrett was the fault that they didn't go to the play, uh, not the playoffs, but to the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl, uh, championship game. Same thing that it was, uh, last season. Dallas was great, but it was held back by Jason Garrett. Hold on. I got to get all this freaking phlegm out of my mouth. Hold on. Sorry. My point is there's a strong narrative around Dallas and how people are like, well, they haven't gone to the Super Bowl in 20 years. Well, yeah, they haven't done this. They haven't done that. And it's literally like you can say that about every team. You can say, well, the Vikings have never gone to a Super Bowl. The Browns have never gone to a Super Bowl. The Lions have never gone to a Super Bowl. Most of the teams in the league haven't won a Super Bowl. And it's way more important to win a Super Bowl than to go back to a Super Bowl. Ask the 49ers. It's like, hey, 49ers, how do you feel about going to two Super Bowls in 10 years? Terrible. Do you want to know why? Because they didn't win either one of them. And they were extremely close to winning. Both of them. They don't care. They're like, we want to win a Super Bowl. We don't care about going. We want to win. And that is literally the whole concept with Dallas. It's like, I don't want them to go back to a Super Bowl. And when you look at all of the teams that have gone to a Super Bowl, most of them have lost. Half of them have lost. Half of mo- another like quarter haven't won another one. I don't care about Dallas going to a Super Bowl. I care about them winning a Super Bowl, going into winning more Super Bowls, as in plural. I care about them being a perennial contender annually. I don't care about them going to a Super Bowl. Whatever these lofty expectations people have are ridiculous. My whole goal is to be a contender. That's what I want to be this year as a team. And this year, are they a contender? 1,000%. What do you mean they're good? They're going to win, like, they're not solid, not good, excuse me. He didn't even say good. They're solid. What the fuck does that mean? Does that mean they're average? Does that mean they're bad? Dude, they're going to win 10 games this year. Lead their, minimum, by the way, lead their team, lead their division in wins. And then go in and against two of the hardest divisions in all of sports and probably go two and two in those respective divisions, probably three and one and the divisions that they're going to go up against. The NFC West, AFC North, 2-2 two and two or 3-1. and one. Minimum. Either 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one minimum in both of the divisions they're going to play. It's not going to be that they're going to go 1-3 and three or 0-4. Oh That's not going to happen. They, they're probably going to go 5-1, and 4-2 in their own division and probably beat the, the Vikings. And who else do they play? 
Who else? The Falcons. They're probably going to beat both those teams. Dude, are you, like, you're tripping. Dallas is a solid team. What are you talking about? I had to listen to that mess. Jesus Christ. Dallas is going to win. They're going to win a lot of football games. It's like, it's been 25 years. When are they going to do something? And it's like, listen, man, and I always say this. If you have a problem with the star, if you have a problem with the Cowboys, if you have a problem running content about the Cowboys, simple solution, simple problem, don't talk about them. If you have that much of a problem where you hate talking about them, then you shouldn't actually talk about them. It's oxymoronic, but you and I know why you do it. It's to get ratings. It's to get views. Stop complaining about it. Move on. I don't care if you don't like reporting on them. Report on them if you want to, but don't complain about comp- reporting on them when um, if, if you make a shit ton of money off of it. Jesus Christ. It's so hypocritical and it's so annoying. And people are like, yeah, the Cowboys shouldn't be reported on. And then literally, they report on them. It's like, that's stupid. Shut up. Don't talk about them if you don't like them. Jesus Christ. Anyways. <clears throat> Let me talk about one one guy. One guy. And I got an idea for the final segment of the podcast that we're going to be talking about here today from talk from looking at C D Lamb footage. I saw a bunch of C D Lamb footage um over the last week. I don't know why I didn't talk about C D Lamb, but I just I just did not talk about C D Lamb. And I saw him. Uh, I saw him on special teams. I saw him on special teams, and he was uh, juking the jockstrap out of dudes, man. And everybody has seen the um, the catch from Dak, where he freaking catches it inbounds, perfectly thrown ball, back shoulder fade. He goes up. He get. He catches it. Two feet in, bang bang. They show it on the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They showed it. On um, they not they showed it. They posted it on like Twitter, or Instagram, or something like that. And then they also show him working on the special teams, working in special teams. They showed him juking the jockstrap out of dudes on special teams. And he looks back and he's smiling because he knows that I mean he would have gotten 30, 40 yards. Let me check it out. Bang! He catches it. He sets it up. Shifts to the right. Runs to the left. Gets a, gives him a little hezzy. Then takes off. And then he's smiling because he knows he, I mean, <laughs> he knows it. He knows because he freaking, he, he would have just iced them. He knows that he would have iced them. He knows that he won that, that rep. And I'm not, I'm not a big guy in like looking at practice tape and looking at practice film and being able to, uh, not being able, excuse me, but like being like, you know what, you know, this, this is some pretty insignificant or not insignificant, but pretty significant stuff. This is some of the most important stuff of the season. You gotta watch it. CD Lamb, Joe, like I'm not one of those big guys that gets hyped off of practice. We talking about practice? Nah, I'm just kidding. But um, I'm not a guy that gets excited about practice. I really am not. Um, unless it's stuff like this, where, I mean. When I tell you, he is literally like just, he, he, I, I cannot believe. And he talks about, 
if you listen to CD Lamb's interview and guys talking about him, they always talk about how he is a very intelligent player. And when you look at CD Lamb, just I don't even know what he's doing. Like I I don't know what he's doing. But what I do know is that he's doing it at a very high level. He's juking guys out and it literally like it looks like that Texas um that Texas game, right? Where he had three guys around him and he jukes them. He jukes the jock strap out of those guys. Hold on, let me let me find it. I mean, I just need to type in CD Lamb Texas and I'll find it. <laughs> I'll find it. Yep, there it is. CD Lamb Texas. Where is it? Here we go. Bang. Week 7, Texas. I'm watching an ad right now. I mean, when I tell you, he gave it nine different ways to Sunday against the the, uh, the, the the University of Texas. Not lying about it. Not lying about it at all. As I finish off this horrendously long ad. Here we go. That's Jalen. Grows it. One-on-one with C.D. Lamb. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I mean... It's how do, how do I explain this? How do I explain this? Okay, they motion Lamb to the left side of the field. They have two guys on it. His man that's it's man to man, and the guy that's supposed to be covering him is trailing behind him. He's late, and CD Lamb just sets it up. He sets my favorite thing about Lamb. You know, everybody watches a juke, right? You know, like um, uh, like agility moves and stuff like that, and they think it's just all like you know, quick twitch. It's just you know, like reactionary. What CD Lamb does is he has the ability to set this stuff up. Where I mean, he gets past this man, he gets past two guys. It takes three guys to bring down CD Lamb. Takes three guys to bring him down, and they pretty much get him down like at the two or at the one. It was incredible. Do they give it to him on this play? Yes, they do. It's a simple move. It's a moving pocket play. Lamb, he sets it up like he's going. And it's technically like a pick play. Yeah, it is. Yep. Pick play. Bang. CD Lamb, touchdown. I cannot wait to, I cannot wait to say CD Lamb, touchdown Dallas. Cannot wait to say it. I'm so excited to say t- touchdown Dallas. CD Lamb! Cannot wait to say it. I mean, I've been practicing a lot of different ways to say. Touchdown Dallas, CD Lamb, or or CD Lamb, touchdown Dallas, CD Lamb, walk the dog, CD Lamb, touchdown Dallas. That's how Brad Sham talks about it on the Dallas radio when he when he casts Dallas football games. Jalen Hurts to CD Lamb, forty yard gain, Oklahoma. Now I'm just casting football games. I'm excited to watch CD Lamb play. Oh my goodness, he's looking for Lamb. He's got him. He's got him. C.D. Lamb stops on the inside. Another stutter step. Juke. Looks down at the Texas defender because he knows he's better than him. Oh, my God. I I cannot wait to... Hey, late flag. Throw the flag. Those t- doggone Texas defenders, they're starting to get a little bit dirty. That's why I don't like Texas defenders. I don't like the University of Texas. Hey, Texas. Hey, Texas. Hey, Texas. Hey, Texas. Hey, Texas. Why don't you beat C.D. Lamb instead of trying to have dirt, instead of trying to hurt him? Why don't you beat him? Jesus Christ. God. Anyways. <clears throat> As I was saying, I was talking about CeeDee Lamb in practice. I wasn't. It's like, <laughs> it's like I, I go from talking about, oh, wait, this is the flea, the flea flicker play. Yep. Bang. 
This is the play that I was talking about where there's like three Texas defenders around him. Bang, he sets it up. Bang. Nobody wants to tackle. Hey, Texas, 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 tackle. They don't tackle. They don't tackle. Oh, man. I, I saw literally like the stuff from the Texas game in practice. As I take a swig of my water. Let me take another one. Hold on. Oh, my God. What a fantastic game by CeeDee Lamb. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely destroys dudes. I didn't even know. Like, like when I say I don't know how he does some of this stuff. I, when I was a kid, I learned how to juke. Like, I learned kind of how to, like, to set up somebody. You know, because we played, like, tag and stuff like that. And I remember coming off of um, one of my summers, like one of my friends learned how to juke and we were playing football. And I was like, huh, I want to learn how to do that. So I was like, okay, you know, you got to set it up. You got to gotta give them, you, you got to, it's, it's all about misdirection and overloading somebody's brain, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's essentially choreographing, like I'm going to go one direction and then quickly change to another. And I was like, okay, you know, I can do that kind of, but then CeeDee Lamb, it's like he's playing fucking chess. It's like, he's got like, three different moves after he opens up the board with like pawn e4, pawn e5, and then he develops his knight and then his bishop, like he's, and then he castles and then he knows what he's going to do. Like Jesus, like CD Lamb. Oh my God. Excuse me. So fantastic. It's like, I, I, I haven't seen some of his college footage in like over like two months. It's like, in, in over two months, not four months or five months. But it's like, I haven't seen some of this in like a long time. And it's like, dude, how do you, how, how did Dallas get CeeDee Lamb? I just got to ask that question again. How did we get CeeDee Lamb? CeeDee Lamb? How did we get him? Oh my God. But essentially, all this stuff that I saw in practice, all this stuff that I saw against Texas, I was like, man, like, He's going to do this in games, in NFL football games. He's going to do this against NFL football teams. He's going to do this against professionals, and he's going to make them look ridiculous. How are teams supposed to cover Dallas when they got a big lamb in the backfield? They ran the read option with CeeDee Lamb. They actually did. They did. They ran the read option. He came in motion. He wasn't in the backfield. He came in motion. They hiked the ball. CeeDee Lamb... Uh, uh, like was like they like Jalen Hurts was reading the defense. Bang! He he doesn't even pull it. He lets Ceedee Lamb take off with it, and he breaks one tackle. Like like he, I don't get it. Play action, Jalen Hurts. What are you, what the fuck are you doing? Throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it. He throws it. First down, Ceedee Lamb. Jesus Christ! I'm about to say throw it. Here's another play. Three defenders. A guy gets him around his neck. And CeeDee Lamb, too strong, big boy strong, dances in the end zone for a touchdown, puts up the deuces because he's out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. I, I cannot wait for CeeDee Lamb to do this against the Eagles. And Nicole Robicon with Colbyson. 
Dak, Dak is in, and I, and I'm watching, I'm watching the cheerleaders. You gotta watch the cheerleaders on UT sideline. Watch the damn cheerleaders, cause even the cheerleaders, they're like, God damn it, he's in the end zone again. And it's UT cheerleaders, and one of the girls, she puts her pom poms over her neck. She's like, God damn it, I can't believe that we just got, we just gave the same guy another touchdown. Yep, yep. All the cheerleaders, they're pissed off. I love it. I love it. Put them up, CD. Put up the doses. And he, Tony toe taps the sideline and jumps into the end zone. Somebody call the police because they let a dog out. Oh, my God. Anyways, sorry. Anyways. All of that stuff that CD Lamb was doing against the um uh the the Texans he does it in practice he just sets up some of these like like he just sets it up i cannot explain it like he just and and it's these hop steps it's these you know it's 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 um i i don't know i don't know how to explain it but it's he he jumps to the to the left and he puts his left foot in the ground and he just bounces to the to the right so he sets it up by jumping by having this hop step to the left bouncing to the right and then tries to take it upfield, and he can do it again, and he's just, he's so good at doing it. He's so smooth. He's so agile. He's so sleek. He's like a Ferrari on a new tarmac, on a new, on a new paved road going 189 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait to say CeeDee Lamb, touchdown Dallas. I cannot wait because I'm going to be saying it a whole lot this season. I'm going to be saying it a whole lot this season. Get ready for me to say CeeDee Lamb, touchdown Dallas. Or how, how am I going to say it? I, I got to find a better way to say it. C.D. Lamb. I, I don't want to copy um, Mike Johnson. But I do want to find a, 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 new, a new unique way, excuse me, to say touchdown Dallas, C.D. Lamb, or C.D. Lamb, touchdown Dallas. I don't want to sound like Brad Sham and Mike Johnson. I want to sound like 24. <clears throat> I just thought that I would update you with C.D. Lamb and how good he's doing in practice and everybody's glowing ravely. About C.D. Lamb, I mean, he's, he's, he's destroying people. And let me tell you something. Once he, like, after this play, I'm, watch, I'm watching the play, the, the juking play. Once he freaking jukes past these dudes on special teams, like, the play is essentially over. He's smiling, and he's looking back, and, he's, and he nods his head, and he's smiling. He's like, yep, yep, I won that route. Not even route. I won that rep. <clears throat> Dangerous. Sleek. Money! I can't wait. I cannot wait. Set it up, CD. Bang! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! I cannot wait! I cannot wait week one! I cannot wait week one for us to go up against the Los Angeles Rams in LA and christen it AT&T Stadium number two. I cannot wait. Final thing I'm going to talk about here today. Actually, one of the final things. I'm going to have win projections for the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. I completely forgot to mention that. I just I just forgot. <clears throat> Anyways, um, I wanted to talk about big impact rookies versus low impact rookies. Let me put down my remote. I'm playing with it way too much. My fan remote. I'm playing with it way too much. So, big impact rookies versus... 
low-impact rookies. By the way, they're showing me the training camp of the Carolina Panthers. They're showing me Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm more interested in number six, P.J. Walker. Look for him to start midway through the season. If Teddy does not play well, which he probably will not because he is not with Drew Brees and Sean Payton anymore. Let me pull up the NFL draft. So I did this last night. I looked at the draft once again, and I said to myself, I'm like, so which players are going to be the big impact players? Which ones are going to be the low impact players going into next, <clears throat> excuse me, next year? Big impact players next year. Well, I think the first one that comes off my board that screams at me, big impact player, Chase Young. Ohio State going to Washington. 24, it's not Joe Burrow? No, it's not Joe Burrow. As a matter of fact, I don't think I have any quarterback besides one. I have one guy who's big impact. There's going to be one guy on my list that's going to be high impact. It's going to be a quarterback, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very soon. But most quarterbacks, and I always say this, I say most quarterbacks, they're going to have bad rookie years because they have to learn a lot more than everybody else on the football field. They have to not only know where their guys go, but they also have to know where the defense is going. And on top of that, they also, hold on, hold on, have to work on their actual throwing mechanics as well. And usually, if not always, most college prospects are pretty raw at the quarterback position. In the sense of they're not pro ready. Like they can't just come in and win a bunch of football games. Unless their name is Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes a year after he came in. But yes, um, Chase Young in a division where two of their offensive lines are pretty great. One, technically, Dallas. And the rest are kind of bad. And then you're going to go up against a lot of other teams and you're going um, that have like mediocre to bad offensive lines. And then on top of that, you're also, you also have a head coach who is, um, who is a defensive guy. And you're also going to be paired up with Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan, and you're going to have a lot of help when it comes to pass rushing. I think he's going to be one of the biggest impact players. I think he's going to make the biggest impact on some of these teams. I think he is very, very good. I think he is fantastic. I think he's one of the best pass rushers to come out of the draft in the last couple of years. And I think you could, with Chase Young, you, you, you could potentially win a couple of games. I think he could be one of the reasons why Washington wins a couple more games this season. They're not going to be great. They're not going to be probably good. They, they, like, you would love it if Washington was 8-8 eight and eight this season. But they probably aren't. I would say 6-10, and 7-9. Washington is, bad, is a very bad team. They're essentially rebuilding. So, but Washington could also win some games. Next guy on my list, Justin Herbert. Hmm. Now, I said this. I said most guys don't come into the league unless they're Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson and win football games. I think Justin Herbert could come into this league and win a bunch of football games. And by um, got most guys don't come into the league, I mean most quarterbacks. They don't come into the league and win football games. I think Justin Herbert could. I think Justin Herbert is ready. I think he's pro-ready. I think Tua is not. And I would, in fact, hope that Tua wouldn't even play this year, in fact, he's one of my non-pro-ready players. Not pro-ready. He's one of my low-impact players. I, I would hope that Tua sits out this year. Um, they sit him down, out this year, and I hope that Justin Herbert plays this year because I think Justin Herbert, 
probably is going to be better than Tyrod Taylor either this year or next year. And I think that the Chargers are a playoff team this year. They play in a semi-weak division. They play against the um, the Raiders and the Broncos, which, you know, question marks all over the place. Coach, quarterback, stuff like that. And the Chargers are loaded. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they're going with a running back core, I think with Austin Eckler and somebody else. And their offensive line is good. Their defense is great. They got Casey Hayward Jr., Duran James, Melvin Ingram, and... Melvin, or I don't, I don't know his name. They got Ingram, and then they got somebody else, Joey Bosa. They got a lot of dudes. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to see what the Chargers are going to do this season. But yeah, Justin Herbert, potentially a big impact player in his rookie year. Cannot wait to see him play this year. Jedrick Wills tackle out of Alabama going to the Browns. Listen, man, the one of the main issues with Cleveland last year was that Odell was hurt and they didn't have a good offensive line. They could not protect Baker Mayfield. With Jedrick Wills and Odell hopefully being healthy, they should potentially, not should, they should be a better team this year. I thought, I thought that they were going to be a playoff team last year. They were not. Not even close. But if their offensive line can protect Baker Mayfield and if Odell Beckham Jr. can be healthy, guess what? They could and should be a playoff team this year. <clears throat> Jedrick Wills, one of the best tackles coming out of the draft. Fantastic player. Tristan Wirfs out of Tampa Bay. Same thing with Jedrick Wills. A lot of talent on his team. Tristan Wirfs obviously drafted to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tristan Wirfs drafted to Tampa. They got Tom. He needs a good offensive line to win football games. But the same thing can be said about Tampa as they can be said about the Browns, except actually Tampa Bay kind of had a good offensive line last season. But he just made it better with Tristan Wirfs. He's the guy that can jump out of the swimming pool with like while weighing like 300 pounds. That's, that's who Tristan Wirfs is. If you don't know who he is, you should now. He's a guy that jumps out of a swimming pool. <clears throat> but yes, Tristan Wirfs should be a very, very big impact for Tampa Bay. He should be able to be able to uh, help out the blocking, the passing, the, blo- the, pass blo- the pass protection, excuse me, for Tampa Bay and allow Tom Brady to throw a lot of touchdowns in Tampa. Next up, Isaiah Simmons. This is not chronologically ordered. I had to think about this. Isaiah Simmons, Arizona Cardinals, defensive player. He's essentially Derwin James. I think he runs like a 4-3 as a linebacker. Like, it's not a safety. He's a linebacker, but he can play safety. He can play defensive end. He can play freaking uh, strong and free. Like, he's a very smart player who can literally do anything. And as much as I wanted him... Not him, but the Cardinals to draft an offensive lineman, either Makai Becton or Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs or somebody to help them out offensively to freaking stop letting Pyler, not Pyler, Kyler get freaking destroyed by defensive lineman. I'm still very excited to see what he's going to do with Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones and all those guys on that football team. <clears throat> 
But we'll see about Arizona and Isaiah Simmons. But yes, I think he could have a very, very, very big impact on the Arizona Cardinals. The next up, the next guy up, and this isn't in, this isn't in, the. this list is just off the top of my head. It's not in draft list. It's not like, it's not like, oh my gosh, this is the, this is a ranking. This is just, you know, I was looking and I was like, oh, okay, it's this guy, this guy, this guy. Next guy that's going to have a ben, big impact, C.D. Lamb. <laughs> what a surprise, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. <clears throat> I mean, do I even need a, re- like, reason why, tell you why? Best wide receiver in the draft goes to the best or one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. Whenever people, like, talk about, do I know if Dallas's wide receiving core is the best in the league? And they say no. And they try to tell me about the Saints and the Seahawks. I'm like, you don't watch football. You don't watch football. Do you know who's on the Saints wide receiving core besides Mike Thomas? Got to tell me somebody besides Mike Thomas. Who's beside, who's beside Mike Thomas that can catch dang on football? Mike Thomas had all their projection, production last season when it comes to the passing game. And you want to tell me just because they have Mike Thomas that they're going to be one of the best, if not the best wide receiving core in the league in Dallas isn't because they got C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup? And I, I, I just don't know. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, C.D. Lamb and Dallas should have the best wide receiving core in the league. But I mean, C.D. Lamb, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Next guy up, one of my favorite guys from the combine, Justin Jefferson. Now, if you watched me watch Justin Jefferson, you know that I barely had any idea who he was. Um, All I know is this. Every single time I watched the combine, he flashed. I watched every single second of, of the combine, Besides the fat guys running around, the offensive linemen. And I came away from the combine without, I was like, wow, Justin Jefferson's a pretty good wide receiver. Like, without me knowing anything about him. Because this is my first year, like, covering college football and stuff like that. So, yes, Justin Jefferson, fantastic player. I mean, he's going to go, and he's going to be the number two. And he's fast, he's quick, he has very, very good route running. I love his adjustments to the ball. Let me talk to you about Justin Herbert, not Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson for a little bit. So in a lot of his highlights, in a lot of his highlights, what would happen when it came to uh, um, Joe and him throwing the football downfield, Joe would underthrow his passes. And what happened would be, and what happened is, is Justin Jefferson would have to adjust, sometimes reaching behind his defender, sometimes reaching up and behind, sometimes reaching to the side. Like, he could make a lot of different adjustments to the football over, for example, um, uh, literally everybody else in the league. Like, when it comes to outside of his frame catches, like, Justin Jefferson is probably um, very close to... CeeDee Lamb and T. Higgins in that regard. And he's fast and he can run routes. He's one of the most complete wide receivers in the draft. In my opinion, I would not have had a problem if, for example, Dallas had drafted Justin Jefferson if CeeDee Lamb was off the board. Because he's that good. So Justin Jefferson, fantastic player. Big impact guy. He may have like 800 yards, maybe 600 Yes, that's big impact, by the way. Or not, because they run the they run the football a lot. Second player, Michael Pittman Jr. First player in the second round. 
But what is this? My third wide receiver? Yeah, third wide receiver. Michael, not my, yeah, Michael Pittman Jr. during the draft was a strange case because Michael was constantly like, his stock value was underrated. It was ridiculous how bad Michael Pittman Jr.'s stock, uh, stock was, was, was like a couple of weeks before the draft. It was very, very weird because I was like, man, like he, he should be, in my opinion, I thought he was a first rounder. And I was watching him, excuse me. And I was like, he's one of the best dudes in the league or not in the league, but in the draft. And I thought to myself, like every single time I, I did mock drafts, every single time I was doing mock drafts, I was like, cool. Like people, the, the draft simulator is giving me Michael Pittman Jr. in the third or the fourth round. And I was drafting for Dallas all the time. So I was like, cool, I'll just take him in the fourth, not even in the third or the fourth. Sometimes it was like fourth, fifth, and sixth. And I was like, cool, I'll just take him. And then his stock just shot up through the air and he was projected as like a third round draft pick, I think a couple of nights before the draft was uh, was projected. And I was like, cool, fine, I'll take him in the third. And I and and he got taken top of the first top of the second. So I I think out of all the guys that are um that were taken in that round, I think Michael Pittman had the best chance of being a first-round draft pick. I, th- I, I mean, he's that good. And he is that good. But, I mean, he could probably be Philip Rivers' new favorite weapon, along with Tyreek, uh, not Tyreek, excuse me, T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. They're loaded at wide receiver, man. The Colts have a surprisingly great wide receiving core that I feel like nobody's talking about. And they just added Pittman to it. So, you know, just a thought. This is not on Michael Pittman Jr. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch out one one guy's name. It was Antoine Winfield Jr. Big impact. I think I like I kind of went back and forth with Michael Pittman Jr. last night. I was like, should Michael not Michael Pittman, oh my god, Antoine Winfield Jr. I went back and forth with him because I was like, is he going to have a big impact? Or is he going to have like like is he gonna be one of the most important players coming out of the draft next year? Or not next year, this year, excuse me. And I think yes. But I also think, like, at the same token, like, big impact, his rookie year, he's going to go up against some pretty doggone good teams. I, I, I would say no. But I think next year he would have a bigger impact on the team, um, which is why I just crossed out his name. And I went back and forth. I could be wrong with this. I feel like Michael, not Michael, but Antoine Winfield Jr. is, like, one of those guys that I feel like he'd have a big impact here. Um, not a small one, a big one or a pretty sizable one. It's weird to say that, but it's it's how I feel about Antoine Winfield Jr. Next guy up, Chase Claypool. Um, no idea why he fell so far. He's essentially a tight end playing wide receiver. And one with like the best hands or some of the best hands that a, that a wide receiver could have. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. I don't get why he was drafted so freaking low. 
And when I saw him go to Pittsburgh, I was like, yes, that makes sense. Where, where did he go? He went in the second round, but here, here he is. He went 17th in the second round, 49th overall. What was this, 40 time? As the page loads. Um, 4.42 for a guy who is 6'4", 238 pounds, which is fucking fast. It's faster than CeeDee Lamb. It's faster than fucking Jalen Rager, who's supposed to be a fast guy. But yeah, Chase Claypool, Notre Dame, fantastic pickup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can either pair him and make him the number one receiver with Juju Smith-Schuster, or you can have him just be a, um, not even have him, but you can have a wide receiver by committee approach. Either way, Chase Claypool is going to be a, a monster weapon for you if you're uh, in Pittsburgh. Love me some Chase Claypool. Denzel Mims, first round draft pick, fell all the way to the second round. Um, the Jets, they have no wide receivers. And by that, I mean they have no wide receivers. They got rid of Robert, Robbie, I think that's what his name is, Robbie Anderson. They're like, we don't want you. We're not going to resign you. The Carolina Panthers said, fine, we will. And um, they needed a wide receiver in the draft. The Jets did. They drafted an offensive tackle in the first round. And then they were like, well, we can get Anderson, not Anderson, Denzel Mims in the second. And that's exactly what happened. They got Denzel Mims in the second. You got to love to see it. They suck at wide receiver. Or they used to. Now they don't suck so much. Makai Becton, again, not chronologically, not in ranking. It's just I thought of Makai Becton kind of way too late. But yeah, Makai Becton, one of the best offensive linemen in the draft. Makai Becton on a team that is sorely in need of an offensive weapon. And they got him. They got one of the best. And now... Should they be solid at the offensive line? Uh, I'm not going to say that. But they should be significantly better than what they were last year. And I think that will be because of Makai Becton. Two more guys. I'll finish off the list with a cowboy. Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay. Out of Texas going to Baltimore. They need a possession wide receiver and a dude that's, like, I feel like their wide receiving core has a lot of finesse in it, a lot of, like, speed. Willie Sneed is a little bit inconsistent and not as reliable as, for example, Devin Duvernay. He can snatch it out of the air. He has great hands, good route running, strong guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been mad if you took him in the second round. I love Devin Duvernay. And he will be a Baltimore Raven, and he will be... Lamar Jackson's one of his favorite targets. I have no idea why nobody's showing him. Like, uh, they, they keep on showing Lamar throwing to, to Hollywood, and I'm like, why aren't you showing Duvernay and Lamar? What's going on? I think Duvernay is actually, like, the third guy, or not the third guy, but, like, the second guy on the depth chart. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know, the final guy though on my list, his name is... Neville Gallimore. When I saw him at the combine and I saw how much power he could generate, I was like, he, he's a first, maybe a second round draft pick. Just by what I was seeing at the combine. And then when he fell and fell hard to the Dallas Cowboys in the third round, I was like, wait, Neville Gallimore is on the board? What? Neville Gallimore is on the board? What, what, what? What? 
He's on the board? Really? Then go get his ass. Bring him to Dallas. Why not? He's right there. Go get him. Go get And that's exactly what they did. I cannot be happier. Because it's like I got my wide receiver that I wanted. That I didn't even know that I could get. I got my I got a number one corner. And I got uh, Neville Gallimore. Sorry that this has kind of turned into a Dallas thing. But Neville Gallimore. Come on. It's Neville Gallimore. So those were my big impact players, technically big impact rookies going into the 2020 season. I feel pretty confident about it. Now, let me talk about low impact rookies, right? And some of these names are pretty straightforward. To attack of Aloha, I think he should sit out this season. I think I think he should. I th- and by he should sit out, let me be clear, I think the team should sit him out unless, knock on wood, something happens to, uh, to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because I really don't think that a dude that just came off of a horrific injury uh, and is playing behind pretty much one of the worst offensive lines in the league should then go at, into, excuse me, and play uh, with one of the worst offensive lines in the league, behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league. I think that's a little bit oxymoronic and a little bit counterproductive. What is he going to learn? Getting smashed in the face by the Patriots? Nothing. Don't do it. For the love of Christ, play him next year. Just my opinion. Next up, we got Jeff Akuda. Now... Jeff Akuda is obviously a first-round draft pick. Obviously the best corner in the league or in the draft. But why do I think he's going to be a low-impact player next season? Um, he plays on a very, very bad team with a very, very bad head coach. There's a difference in being like Makai Becton, for example, and playing on the offensive line and just being like, you know, like we're just going to win because of my raw talent. And um, then there's Jeff Akuda who relies on like a lot of other dudes. And like, let's say... Jeff, Jeff is probably going to be the number one corner on the team. He's going to get smoked. And then on top of that, what's going to happen is if he plays up against a team that actually has good wide receivers and a good quarterback, guess what? They're just not even going to ignore they're, they're going to ignore him. They're just not even going to go to his side of the football field, which is why I think he's going to have a very, very low impact this year. Not because he's a bad player. Same thing goes with Tua. I don't think Tua's a bad player. I don't think he's a bad draft pick. I think they're both just going to be used in different ways and slash or should be used in different ways. I'm going to scratch off Derek Brown. Because I kind of just like, I'm like, I don't think he'll be a low impact guy. That was stupid of me to put Derek Brown on the list. He's not on the list. It's not Derek Brown, Derek Brown. Does Derek, will that mean Derek Brown will have a big impact? No, but I don't think he'll have a low impact. On the, um, on the, um, Carolina Panthers. Now, C.J. Henderson, on the other hand, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going to have a low impact. Again, same reasons for Akuda. Plays on a terrible team. I mean, you can make a, a better case that C.J. Henderson is really going to have a bad year this year. Because, I mean, they don't have a defense. They don't have anybody, bro. 
I mean, they went from essentially being one of the most talented and best defenses in the league to now just like literally stripping their defense for parts and um, and not re-signing anybody. And now it's like I I don't like they they made they made trade away Yannick Ngakwe, who's essentially their best defensive player, and then C.J. Henderson he may now be their best defensive player. Like I don't I don't understand how how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to get out of the top 10 when it comes to drafting this year. I don't understand. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league next year. Henry Ruggs III. Let me pull up his production for you. What do you think he's going to do this year? Let me ask you a question. What do you think Henry Ruggs is going to do when it comes to his production this season? What do you think he's going to do? I have his numbers right here. He has never had a thousand yard season this season. Not this season, but ever. Right? He's never had one. He's had a fuck ton of touchdowns. I give him that. He's never had a thousand yard year, ever. He lacks in production. He's one of those kind of, he's a speedster. We get it. But can he run routes? Not to the level of most of the guys that I listed on Big Impact players. And he's kind of dealing with an interesting situation and a predicament where he is on a team where his quarterback is in question. Um, I mean, listen, man, Derek Carr has had good weapons. Like, let's just be honest. He's had good wide receivers. He's had good running backs. He's had a great offensive line for a, for a very long period of time in his, uh, in his time in Oakland. Like, is Henry Ruggs honestly going to be the guy that puts him over the hump? Nope. In fact, John Gruden could be like, "Hey, hey, 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 Derek, you know, you know, I, I've set up this play with Henry, and you know, he's, you know, just follow the play, throw the football to him. He's, he's a fast guy. He's, he's got it done. Just throw the football to him." And then Derek Carr's like, "Um, sure." And then he throws an interception because Derek Carr doesn't necessarily have the down the field accuracy that you would want out of your quarterback. At least in my opinion. Henry Ruggs is in trouble. He's going to be one of those low-impact guys. Again, they got good weapons in Oakland. They just... Do they know how to use them? I don't know. I don't know. Second guy... God damn it. Second guy. Second speedster on the list. This should not be a surprise to you if you if you followed um, my freaking takes on the Philadelphia Eagles draft. This should not be surprising at all. Jalen Rager out of TCU. He does have a 1,000-yard season, unlike Henry Ruggs. 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. Pretty great year, actually. But then that next year, oh, wait, look at that. 600 yards. Five touchdowns. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting situation. My point with some of these guys, some of these speedsters, is when you look at their numbers and when you watch them play, and, and especially with, Hen- not Henry, um, Jalen Rager, he timed like 4-4-2 or 4, what was it? 4-4-9. Let me look it up. What was his time? Uh, what was his time? Because everybody talks about how he's a speedster. And then he didn't test well at the combine. He ran a 4-4-7. That's slower than Chase Claypool, who ran a 4-4-2. And some people are like, well, 24... Some people have combine speed. Some people have game speed. You said that about CeeDee Lamb. And it's like, yeah, the difference between CeeDee Lamb 
and Jalen Rager is that CeeDee Lamb is not a speedster. He should be somewhere in the low fours, high, th- um, high threes when it comes to his 40 time. And he's not. It's like, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like the pick. Especially when it's like you need production. You need an, a massive amount of production. Justin Jefferson was right there. Let me show you what production looks like. Not just one season where you have a thousand, where you have a thousand yards. Let me show you Justin Jefferson's numbers here. Let me show it to you. Justin Jefferson had 1,500 yards in his first in his junior year. He had 875 in his sophomore year, and then he had zero yards in his freshman year. His production went up from zero to 875 to 1,500. Just goes up, 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 up. It doesn't like freaking. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my hand. It doesn't dip, and it doesn't have. It, he doesn't have highs and lows, is what I'm trying to say. And then on top of that. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. I was about to say he had more yards, but he doesn't. Point is, you have to have scaling production. It can't just be high production one year, low production another year. Jordan Love. If he plays, that's bad. If he doesn't play, that's bad. Regardless... I think he's going to be a low-impact player because I don't think that they're going to move off of Aaron this year unless he plays horrendously bad. And then, of course, it's like, well, why did you draft a quarterback in the first round if you're not going to play him? I don't know. Ask Green Bay. Jordan Brooks out of uh, Texas Tech going to Seattle. Let me stretch my body. Oh, my God. If you can, like, see how I'm stretching right now, you would think I'm a crazy person. I, like, leaned all the way over on my chair. But, yeah, Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech going to Seattle. Could have gotten Patrick Queen. Seattle, I mean, not, I mean, just forget about who you could have gotten for, like, two seconds, 24. They needed offensive line help. They needed wide receivers. They needed potentially... A corner or two. I mean, DeAndre Baker, obviously. No, DeAndre Baker isn't suspended. No, not DeAndre Baker. The guy that was with DeAndre Baker, he's not suspended. Maybe even a safety. I don't know. It seems like their defense is starting to come together. But Jordan Brooks, to me, wasn't wasn't a first-round draft pick. Maybe a second, maybe a third, but not a first, man. Especially when you have such little room for error with Seattle, not Seattle, with um, with the Rams and the 49ers on your heels, you you can't you can't make mistakes like this. Ross Blacklock is up next. TCU alumnus. Um, I don't see how he helps your football team. I mean, I get it. Defensive tackle, it helps out JJ to not get double teamed so much, but I I don't know how he has, like, three sacks. You know? I mean, I guess it's to take the pressure off of JJ, but again, man, I just, I just don't see it. I thought it was a reach. I'm trying not to, like, Use the easy argument to say, like, you needed this guy instead of this guy because, you know, we're not really talking about that. But it's like 
team-wise, production-wise, I don't see how he gets high numbers, high production numbers. I don't see how he's going to be a monster on the defensive side of the football. I just don't know. And I really want to use the argument there are so many better players there, but I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to. Final two guys, Cole Commit, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, for obvious reasons, he's a quarterback on a team that just paid their quarterback. And then um, Cole Komet. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. No, I don't think he'll be low impact. That was one of those picks where I was like, well, they should have drafted this guy. I, I, I'll take that back. I don't think he'll be a high impact player, but I don't think he'll be low. So those are my highs and lows when it comes to uh, who's going to be a low impact or who's going to be in a high a high impact player. The final two things that I will talk about on the podcast today is win projections for the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. But um, I've drunk a lot of water on the podcast today. Flipping over my page and I'm literally right next to a fan. You can probably hear it. But um, I'll talk about this in a couple of minutes after I use the bathroom. Let me freaking pull up my my playlist here. Hold on. Frick sick. And one of my one of my videos in my playlist just got privated. Well that sucks. Alright, whatever. Alright, I'll be back in a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. 24th podcast. Oh, wait, wait, what just I don't... I have no idea. It might, like... Hold on. I can't get computer audio. It keeps on saying that it's playing, but it's not. There it is. I'm like, why was it frozen? Jesus Christ. Sorry. Sorry about that. All right. I'll be back in a couple minutes.
I was kind of just like on my phone reading some articles about some stuff. But that's gone. That doesn't really matter. <clears throat> All right. So before I was in the bathroom and I used the bathroom, um, I was talking about how many wins Dallas was going to have. Not Dallas. Oh, my God. I haven't even done Dallas yet. But I was going to talk about win projections. Sorry for doing that. Win projections for the Patriots and the Green Bay Packers. Hold on. So, win projections for Green Bay and the Patriots. Let me check it out. <clears throat> so, how I've done this for the past couple of days is, or not even for the past couple of days, but really for the past week, is I have looked at kind of your roster, your team roster, and I've also looked at your um your draft and i've kind of just because i have knowledge of most of the teams in the nfl there's certain teams that i don't like the Bengals. frick's sake hold on let me move my fan and my move my fan let me have it swivel to another side because the flame just couldn't fucking reach anyways what i mean by like 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 it's hard for me to look at certain teams and know their automatic win percentage, or not their win rates, but just like their rosters, excuse me, not their win percentage, just their rosters. And um, it's just because I'm not familiar with those teams. All right. By the by, I'm lighting up my candle. I'm not lighting up anything else. It's Marshmallow Fireside from Bath and Body Works, by the way, just in case if you're wondering. But... For the Patriots, let's do the Patriots first. So, um, the Patriots, they're not going to say it, but um, Cam Newton is 1,000% their uh, their quarterback. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you're, if you're one of those guys on the Cam train, you're like, I wanted Cam Newton all along, guess what? You got him. <clears throat> For the Patriots, at the very least. If you're a team that didn't get Cam Newton um, and you wanted him, well, uh, that sucks to be you. Uh, so, I, I don't even need to look at the Patriots draft because they had one of the worst drafts I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't even think they had... Oh, no, they they got Kyle Duggar, who I liked. Let me go to their team. Let me let me do my due diligence. But they got Kyle Duggar in the second round. They got Asiasi and Dalton Keene in, I think, the, um, the third round. And then it was just like... I think they got Zach Bond in the fourth or the fifth round. Or some, something like that. I'm not sure. Let me... Check it out. Oh, yeah. And they got Josh Uche in the second round as well. Linebacker out of Michigan, which they love those Michigan guys. They got a guard, Mike on Onwenu, guard out of Michigan in the sixth round. But they got a lot of players, both in the third, fourth, not even they, they didn't have a fourth round. In the third round, in the second round, it seems like a lot of their starters are going to be from, at least at tight end, are going to be from the third round. Dalton Keene, Devin Asiasi. Seems like that's where they're going to go. They got Kyle Duggar. They had like a good draft in some in some areas. In other areas, I was like, why didn't you draft a wide receiver? But um, they got they got some good players. I think that they will. I think their defense still needs work. 
but their secondary is loaded and that's how they're going to win games and the patriots what they always do is they always draft linebackers and corners uh, so that way they can be a lot more flexible. So sometimes you see corners kind of play like a safety and you see sometimes linebackers play kind of like a pass rusher. And they have dudes that can drop back into coverage when it comes to that position, the linebacker position, of course. They have dudes that can rush the passer. They have dudes that can stop the run. They have these very flexible guys on their roster uh, to be able to be incredibly flexible. And that's, that's what you saw for the last, like, 10 years, ironically enough. So... Oh, Jesus. They have a terrible schedule. Holy smokes. They're going up against the NFC West and the AFC West as well. They're going up against the West side as the East side. And they're going up against in their first four weeks, Dolphins, Seattle, Raiders, Chiefs. They should go two and two, probably three and one. Um, Dolphins and Raiders are two easy wins. Seattle probably, it, it kind of depends on how Cam is playing. They're going to be playing them, I think, on Sunday night football. Yep, they're going to be playing them on Sunday night football, week two. Very interesting game. Now, this is, by the way, with the interpretation, I'm doing this with the interpretation that Cam Newton is going to be your starting quarterback. I'm hoping Cam is a better quarterback this year than he pretty much ever was or else he's in trouble. But Cam should be their starting quarterback. I think he will be their starting quarterback. I think he will be better than he was last season. Technically, he barely played last season, but for the majority of the season, for the majority of the seasons that he's played, I think he'll be better. By the way, I'm watching Baker Mayfield sling it to Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he just threw to Odell in double coverage in, uh, in, in training camp. I think Odell's healthy. Like, I think he's healthy. I think the Browns are going to be a a hard team to beat this year. Hopefully, they lose to the Cowboys, but I think they're going to be a hard team to beat this year. We'll see. Baker Mayfield, by the way, 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. He had a really bad year last year. Going back to the Patriots. um, I'm predicting this with Cam in mind. I think he's going to be the quarterback. I think he already is the quarterback. The Patriots, though, they're just keeping it hush-hush. They're saying, you know what, Derek? No, let me do uh, uh, Bill Belichick's voice. You know, uh, Jared Stidham, Cam Newton, got a real good chance. You know, um, uh, um, we're on to, uh, we're on to Cincinnati. I think that's what he's saying. I think that's what he's saying. Maybe not on to Cincinnati, but on to, uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks and all those other teams that they're going to be playing up against this year. So yeah, uh, I think they'll go two and two, probably three and one in the first four weeks. I think they're a really good football team. Um, next four weeks, Broncos, 49ers, Bills, Jets, probably 3-1, and one, maybe 4-0. and oh. I don't like the 49ers at quarterback. Well, Bill Belichick does very well. Ooh, they're going up against Jimmy Garoppolo. A meeting of the minds once again. Let's see if he was right. Let's see if he was wrong. He, he loves Cam Newton. He's letting Cam Newton dance and post on Instagram. Tom Brady is watching all this horse mess, and he's like, damn it, I, I, I didn't get this when I was in New England. But what's probably going to happen this season with Tampa, not Tampa, God damn it, with um, with New England is that you're going to see Cam Newton very early on and you're going to see um, the Patriots probably win some football games. A lot more football games, actually. 
I think in this second four-week stretch, they'll go 3-1. and one. Probably only losing to the 49ers. Um, by the way, all of the AFC's teams are pretty much just beside the point. They're question marks. They're like, I'm not, I don't really consider them as a threat. Uh, Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers. I think I did this a couple of days ago where I said that the, the Texans will beat the Patriots. I'm changing that. I'm, I'm changing it. Changing it. Gotta, you got to watch daily. Got to listen daily. Um, Patriots will beat the Texans because now I factored in the whole Cam Newton thing and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. And the reason why I'm so high on Cam Newton is that all literally he has to do is just like be good. Not even be good. Like just don't don't throw interceptions. Just learn learn from Bill. Don't screw it up. You know, that's all you gotta do. I think they'll go three and one here. Probably only losing to the Ravens. Probably not, to be honest with you. They could potentially go four and zero here. Cause Bill's like, I'm not gonna make the same mistake again against Lamar. Three and one, four and zero. Patriots are still a very good football team. Rams, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, probably three and one once again, four and zero. Patriots are still a fantastic football team. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. People are out on the Patriots. I kind of was out. I'm I'm back in. I'm back in. So let me count out the wins and we can get started. Probably, I think I predicted them to go like 13-3, and 11-5, if I were to guess right now. So 2-2 two and two in the first four weeks. They go 3-1 and one in the next stretch. So first four weeks were Dolphins, Raiders. Those were the wins, the losses, Patriots, Seahawks. Not Patriots, Seahawks. Seahawks, Chiefs. The next four weeks, you got Broncos, Bills, Jets as your wins. 49ers, I'm just going to count as a loss. Then the next four weeks, Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, that's three more wins. Potentially four, but I'll just say three. And then Rams, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, another three wins. So now we're at 11 and five. Patriots are still a pretty good football team. Next up is the Green Bay Packers, and we will end the podcast. And I will take a small break before I get back into it. I need, I need Red Bulls, man. Jesus Christ, that's what I need. I need some energy. Uh, okay, here we go. All right, first four weeks, Vikings, Lions, Saints, Falcons. I love that. I love this. Three and one, probably. Maybe four and four and oh. Three and one. Vikings are kind of broken. The, um, the Lions, broken as well. Falcons, they're done. And they got Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay, like, pretty much the reasoning for a lot of these wins are, I'm just going to say Aaron Rodgers. Three and one, first four weeks. Bucks, Texans, Vikings, again, 49ers. Probably two and two. Beating the uh, the Texans and the Vikings. I think I predicted that Watson is going to lose or win. I don't know. Changing that. I like the Packers. Like Aaron 
Uh, Jaguars, Colts, Bears. <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> That's a 4-0 stretch. They're going to win. At least they should win. Uh, Lions, Panthers. Oh, my. Titans, Bears. I should. It should have been Lions, Panthers, Titans, Bears. Oh, my. That would have been a better way to say it. Um, three and one. Easy work. Easy work. Packers are a good team. They got good players. Specifically on offense. Specifically player Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how they're going to fall off. Their, their schedule is kind of doable. Like, they're going to go up against some, some really, really good teams, but they got the talent to beat these good teams. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So, the first four weeks, wins are Vikings, Lions, Falcons. Second four weeks, Texans, Vikings. Third four weeks, they're going to go undefeated. They should go undefeated. So, that's four wins in four weeks because they're going up against the Jaguars, Colts, Bears, Eagles, really. They're all bad teams. So, that's nine wins now. And then we're going to go up against, we as, we as in the Packers. I'm just going to say they win another three games. So, that's 12 to four. Packers should be a very good team this year. Unless I'm missing something. They should be a very, very good team this year. I just had it up. I'm looking for... N never mind. I was looking for something, but I didn't... Didn't pop up. Jesus Christ. Now I gotta freaking... Oh my God. I gotta do this. Hold on. Wait. You know what? Where is it? I'm looking for my outro song. That's what I'm looking for. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. If you like this podcast, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Jesus H. Christ, I am tired. Everywhere where you can find my pod, everywhere you can, where you can find pasta music. Everywhere where you can find my podcast, you can find 24's podcast. I'm tired. I have no idea why I'm so tired, but I am very tired. I'm going to be back tomorrow. More Earl watch. Did Earl get signed yet? I don't think he got signed. I don't think he got signed at all. Which, it's weird. It's past, like, midday. It's past, like, noon. Yeah, like, he's still... He's still available. It's like, hey, does, uh, does anyone want him? Because you can go out and get him. Please go out and get him. Hey, Dallas. Hold on. Hold on. I shouldn't have played that song. I should have played this song. I have, I have it on my computer. I had the tab pulled up. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just not even going to look for the tab. I'm just going to freaking not look at the tab. Jesus Christ. Play it. I hope Earl Thomas is coming home to Dallas. But if he's not, we'll still be okay.
we'll still be okay. We'll, we'll be okay. But ladies and gentlemen, until my next podcast, I hope you have a fantastic day. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Damn it, that's not where I wanted the song to end on, the podcast to end on. I wanted it to end on when she's singing, I'm coming home, I'm coming home, and then I would have just, do it again. It takes, I'm coming home, I'm coming home.